Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. If you are new to listening, welcome. Our podcast covers social media news and digital marketing trends for anyone who is involved in the business. So whether you are in B2B or B2C, and whether you're on the marketing or the sales team or any other team, we go over tips, trends, and then leave you with some actionable items to apply or think about. So first off, I'm Sarah, account manager here at 21 Handshake. I'm Ashley, also an account manager. My name is Alex, and I'm in charge of visual content. Today, we are also joined by Lisa Roberts, who is the marketing director for Alexander Lumber Building Materials, which is headquartered in Illinois. Our team has been working with Alexander Lumber the last few years on social media initiatives, and we love the family feel and history of this lumber and building materials business. But first, it's time for our digital marketing news segment, where we dive into what has been taking place the last week in digital and social media marketing. Ashley, some Facebook news. Facebook said that groups were a priority for them. And we've seen this kind of roll out over the last few months. But what change did they just make regarding groups? Yes. So as we've previously mentioned on the podcast, Facebook Um, is putting more of an emphasis on the platform and digging deep into um, certain features that maybe aren't being utilized and removing them, making things more um, simplified. So that has affected Facebook groups this week. They have removed one of the uh, like privacy options. So previously, a Facebook group could be entirely public, whereas anyone could find it if they were searching for it and join it without um, permission. Yep. The other option is private, where people could still find it, but had to request to, be, to join the group. And the third option was the secret group, where it was... Um, invite only. So only if you were invited to the group, could you even find it? So it wouldn't even show up in like Facebook search. Correct. Okay. Um, And therefore you would have to ask for permission. Um, They've removed the secret group. A lot of people didn't even know it was an option. And if they did, we're um, kind of confused at the difference between that and a private group. So moving forward, there is only public and private. Okay. Well, hey, no more secret groups. So if you have a group, you have been outed if you wanted it to be a secret. <laughs> so I think private is the same. And like you said, I don't think most people it wasn't, were even aware of that. It wasn't different enough for there to actually be a third category. So right. I get it. So basically now you can find any group. Just it depends if you are just automatically added to the group or if you have to ask to join and then pending request and yada yada. Okay, very cool. Again, they're just upping their groups game and we're just seeing that in all the initiatives that are rolling out. And Alex, some more Facebook news. So first off, let me ask you guys, would you get all of your news from Facebook? All of it. Uh, (laughs) No. No. (laughs) And a short no, no. Well, Facebook certainly hopes that you do. (laughs) So Alex, can you explain how Facebook is moving in that direction? So there are reports that Facebook has apparently offered several news outlets millions of dollars um, in exchange for the rights to display or license certain content uh, from those outlets. Um, apparently, there are reports that it could be it would pay up to three million dollars annually um, to individual outlets for licensing licensing stories, etc., um, or headlines, uh, which it seems like a play to continue to get a main sort of like uh, a traffic source uh, to the platform, which I think is interesting. I I think that there are already so many other places that people get their news um, that I, 
I just have a hard time seeing this one being super successful. Um, unless they are truly able to like keep that content licensed to Facebook and it does not appear absolutely anywhere else. Mm. Um, but I feel like that stuff always leaks out into other sites eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, it is an interesting play. One, because they've had such a bad reputation in terms of credibility to news articles, right? And, and how people understand that. The other part is that so many people get their news from like Twitter. So can right. you imagine if all of that was only on Facebook? That would be like a serious competitor advantage um, and one that I don't think is likely to happen, but... Right. I don't know. I just it just screams to me like Facebook is trying to just control media. Yes. Just become a big media company. And they already already kind of are. But just yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know if people will buy it at this or not. The big news places. It's a pretty big thing. I know. I, I think that people are already just so used to, to consuming the news where they prefer to go get it. Yeah. I just don't. Maybe I'm biased just because I, I personally do like getting news from Twitter and other sources. Mm -hmm. um, but I just don't foresee this being super successful or really gaining uh, good traction. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Could be totally I guess, wrong. I guess we'll see. Definitely. So for our last bit of news, um, this is an interesting article in study from Wharton Consu Customer Analytics Initiative. So that, there's a long name for you. Basically, the research studied the changing nature of customer experience in relationship to brand equity. And what I thought it was very cool is how it has shifted a little bit. So brand equity, the old definition would be to the, that the firm added value, the trade or the customer, and which how like all of those, the customer looked at the brand. It was measured very analytical and it was measured very simply by strong brands are preferred. And, you know, I think we've all kind of seen that in the marketplace that kind of thing. But they said there's a new definition out there and it goes beyond just favorability and is rooted in customer experience. And I think we'd all agree that that's huge. So the new way of measuring brand equity is to measure in part to understand how your brand equity impacts the customer choices that lead to the customer experience. And that, in essence, as is what the brand equity is. So everything a brand does the way it markets, communicates, whether physically or digitally, all plays a role in shaping the customer's experience. So no longer is it just that brand equity is the dominating brand. It's, you know, just, I don't know, the huge brand that's out there. But now there, you know, might be a better brand equity and how you're just looking at your customer experience and how they're communicating with you which I think is huge, it kind of changes maybe even how big brands would look at what their brand equity is as well. So I don't know, but I thought it was very interesting, especially as it leads very well into our interview today with Alexander Lumber and how they manage customer experience and their brand across multiple store locations. Hello, Lisa, and welcome to the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. Our team is so excited to talk with you today about the challenge of creating cohesive messaging across multiple store locations. But first, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role at Alexander Lumber? Of course. Thanks so much, Sarah. I've been with Alexander Lumber for about a year and a half, and I've had a varied career um, that has spanned several different industries. Uh, I came to this role with about 15 years of experience in marketing, communications, publishing, and public relations, excuse me, public relations. 
Um, as to industries, I've worked in professional services, the drilling industry, medicine, and then most recently supply chain before now working in the building industry. Yeah, I was going to tell you about Alexander Lumber yeah. Company. Um, we are a 128-year-old uh, lumber company. It's family-owned. And we have a strong history. Um, at one point, we had more than 100 locations in Illinois. Um, we currently have 10 lumberyard locations across northern and central Illinois, southeastern Wisconsin, and in northern Iowa, where we also do have a, um, a showroom, which is by Alexander. And then um, Alexander Lumber also has two component plants in Illinois, where we manufacture roof trusses, floor trusses, and wall panels. Um, and then as to my role, I came to Alexander Lumber to define the marketing strategy and create a marketing program for the company. Yeah. So you said that's thir 13 locations, correct? Yes. 13. Yes. Yeah. So, wow, that's, that's a lot. Cause that spans quite a many miles when you think about that and to kind of keep your tabs on all of that, um, that that might be a little difficult a i would task. imagine <laughs> yeah that that's a task so we have 13 locations they're pretty spread out and yeah. like we just said that has some challenges so give us some insight about when you came on to the job sure. how did you go about creating a cohesive marketing program that you know wouldn't only cater to keeping the alexander lumber brand but also that would cater to each location because I would imagine that um, each location is unique. The community, the people are unique. Um, a rural might be different than a city. Um, a, a, Iowa might be different than Illinois. I'm sure there's similarities, but still each one is a little bit different. So how, how do you even tackle starting that? Uh, Sarah, you really, you really hit on the challenge. It's how do you everything it's disparate um so illinois itself we have two different markets really the northern or the chicago market is radically different than our central illinois uh, market which is different than our wisconsin market which is different than iowa and then marketing our component plants is different than marketing the lumber yards which is different than lumber than marketing the showroom so yes i mean you, you've hit on it how do you put it together a cohesive brand um, package for all these locations um, and when I start so this is a long, long answer but when I started I I knew came, coming in that we had a, a brand problem um, did we serve pros you know our um, builders and contractors and remodelers and so forth did we serve the public do we serve both and so I spent my first three months with the company, really visiting all of our locations, getting to know, um, getting to know the company very intimately in terms of not only what we did, but what were our markets like, what were our respective challenges, because as you mentioned, each market is different. And then um, putting together a picture um, for myself, getting an understanding of, you know, how, what, what are our commonalities as the company? what who are, are we as a brand and then keeping in mind all of our respective differences and um, what I ended up doing was putting together a, a two-pronged package um, I call it the marketing menu I literally put together a menu um, of our different offerings and what it accomplished was putting together 
a brand strategy for the company um, for overarching, but then keeping in mind um, each of the markets. And so I had options and possibilities for each market as well as for the company as a whole. And then drilling down into the you know location by location. Um, you know, Iowa City is is different than our Watsika location, for example. One is a small town in central Illinois. Another is a university town in, in Iowa where the, um, the economy is different, the market is different, and so forth. Um, and then executing it from there, um, understanding that you're going to have early adopters um, because one of the other challenges is, you know, each of the yard managers is different and they have different local goals. Um, and I have to keep those in mind as well. Um, and so I work with I work with them closely, and it's I think that's the um, the really important takeaway is you know working as a team, working in conjunction with the managers, who are the ones who um, many times have to execute the marketing at the local level. I handle the advertising for the yards, but when it comes to putting on an event, um, I can be there to help out, but I can't be in 10 different spots at once. Um, and so the, the onus is really on the managers to execute some of the local events and local opportunities because they're going to be aware of them more than I will because they live there. So it's been a year and a half and it's, um, it's going strong and I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. Yeah, so I feel like what you're saying is like communication with each location is super important. It's, that, it's super critical. Yeah, that just having that kind of open door um, with the communication, like how they're feeling about their community and um, yeah, it's super important. And I'm super interested to um, kind of dive into too the the marketing offerings that that you created this this kind of option sheet. Were people receptive to that? I mean, did it include like, okay, here's some traditional, here's some non-traditional tactics that we can employ? And yeah, I just, uh, I think people would be really interested in how that came together. Sure. sure. I Behind all of that, and first of all, you're absolutely right. Communication is critical. Um, the yards where I believe we do the best job marketing um, the managers are incredibly communicative and we work together as a team. Um, again, because they're the ones in their locations and, and they have a vested interest in you know, making sure that our marketing is successful. Um, with regard to uh, my marketing menu, um, I literally structured it as a menu with the idea that there were things that would, I'm going to back up and say, Behind it is the concept that there is not a one-size-fits-all approach to marketing. Mm -hmm. um, there are elements that we can carry across, as I mentioned before, to each of the yards when it comes to conveying the Alexander Lumber brand. But there is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And so the idea behind the menu is that in working with our uh, supplier partners, um, in working with our locations, it would be identifying what's going to fit and work the best. And so we came up with things that were in-store opportunities, um, offering traditional marketing, so just traditional advertising um, and events and, sw and swag and those sort of opportunities, but also content marketing, um, getting into um, new media marketing with 
more digital and email offerings. Um, absolutely, we've been very involved with event marketing, but offering some new opportunities there as well. And then really trying to embrace um, our cause marketing. I think that our corporate social responsibility program is really important and very key, especially to the next generation of people who are working in the industry. Um, and so putting together you know, plans that where much like a restaurant menu, people can pick and choose what is going to appeal most to them. And as to reception, um, again, it's much like, you know, you go to a restaurant, some people, something, you know, the whole menu looks good and it's hard to choose. Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas other people, you know, maybe like there's only one thing, they have some dietary restrictions and they only have a couple things that appeal to them. And that's fine because that was the way to, you know, how do we how do we market successfully 10 different locations that are of different size, different communities, different states, and make it viable? It was to create a program where we can, you know, our larger yards can afford to do more, for yeah. example, than the smaller ones, Where, but maybe there's more community involvement. I love the option of the menu, right? Because every market's different and you're adding um, another level of involvement. They feel like they're in on the decisions. Yeah. They get to help make the decisions, yeah. especially in this very like B2B um, industry where maybe the level of education and marketing is not very high. I know that we spend a yeah. lot of time educating clients on what exactly yeah. those different avenues are. Um, so yeah. it, it can be not received very well because they don't totally understand it. So I, I love the option of the menu and helping educate those um, local people on what their options are and allowing them to pick and choose what works best for their community. Yeah, like you right. said, each location is going to be a little bit different depending, yeah. especially I, just, I know I keep going back to the rural versus city, but those are huge differences between those two where in a rural community, like you said, a community event is like a huge deal when you mm -hmm, right. live in a tiny town that, you know, maybe, right. you know, doesn't have the, quite the population as a big town. Um, so, so, so huge. So I did want to kind of dive into as well. So how do you kind of disseminate brand loyalty and brand messaging down through all the stores? So, you know, so if someone, a pro, were to go, you know, to one location and then go to another location, I know usually they're pretty loyal to one location, but say they moved, let's use a hypothetical situation. How, like, how do you centralize that messaging where it kind of is the same throughout every store? So customers are feeling like they're getting the same kind of touch points and, you know, just the same kind of reception and messaging when they walk into one Alexander Lumber in one location versus another one in another location? Uh, to be direct, Sarah, that has been my biggest challenge. Okay. <laughs> um, because ensuring that the customer experience is the same across all locations, especially when our markets are so different, has, has been the biggest challenge. Um, and so ensuring that communication and internally ensuring that communication is consistent and that everyone receives the same information has been critical. Um, so one of the things that we've done, because this is really an internal message because it relies on the people at the yard level really communicating. They're the ones who are, you know, acting as, you know, they're um, riding for the brand, so to speak. And 
I can't be there at every yard at every moment to make sure that we're communicating the same way. So um, it's been an education process. One of the things that we have done since my arrival, uh, we've launched an internal weekly sales newsletter that, or marketing newsletter that goes out to all the yard managers as well as our sales force so that they all have the same information on a weekly basis as to what our marketing and sales goals are. And so again, as we met, we talked about earlier, communication really is key. And then it's just recognizing that it's something that develops over time. It is not something that, you know, you can communicate, but it's then making sure that it's executed, uh, that's, that's where therein lies the rub. That's the challenge. <laughs> well, right, because it's just not execution by the manager, but then they have to go back and execute it down from their inside right. sales team, outside sales team, delivery drivers. <laughs> so it's a, right. that's a lot of people to get on board with the same messaging. Right. And, and so it's really, it's very much um, a question of developing that culture. Yes. So we have also implemented a company newsletter that comes out monthly as opposed to weekly. And that's where we celebrate our wins um, as a company. We mm. communicate what's going on with regard to events. Um, we talk about, you know, corporate initiatives and things that we're aiming to do. Um, in one example, and this was in a smaller yard that has um, subsequently closed, but the manager there was excellent. And my visit there, the first time I had gone to this yard, I had noticed that, um, and this was a smaller location, um, more community, very community oriented. And they, someone came in and the manager had made a point of, and it was someone who had come in for a piece of lumber or a tool or something. It was um, much more of a, a small transaction. This is not someone who was buying, you know, a huge lumber package. This, it was, it was a small transaction, but regardless, the manager made a point of saying, thank you for your business. And it, and was very sincere about it. And so it's making sure that we, when you have moments like that, that you disseminate it to the company and making sure that, you know, when someone comes into the yard or whether they place an order over the phone, whatever it may be, that we make sure that our customers, you know, that we thank them for their business because we, we do appreciate their business, but it's a matter of communicating, you know, wanting to communicate that and then execute on it. I have a quick question for you, Lisa, when you're talking sure. about, you know, you've been there for a year and a half. Alexander yeah. Lumber has been around for 128 years. And yeah. so I'd have to imagine like the way that the, you know, it, it can be difficult changing the culture of a company that's been around for so long. And I'm sure that has had, you know, employees that have probably been there for, you know, 15, yeah. 20, 30 years. Do you, yeah. when you see something work really well at a yard um, and there's an opportunity to use it at um, a yard that has a similar, um, kind of like whether it's, it's like a small city rural yard. Do you share those, those kind of, and, and I know you're saying you, you kind of do this with the company newsletter, but do you say, you know, like this, this worked really well for this yard. Who's kind of similar to you guys. Um, yeah. you guys might've kind of like passed over that opportunity or weren't interested in that off, off of the marketing menu. Um, but I really implore that you guys, you know, try that out or give it a chance. Um, cause it worked over here. Um, do you ever run into situations like that? Every day, yes. <laughs> uh, that has been, yes, um, because I am working with industry veterans, people who've been in the industry not for decades, as well as people who've been with the company for almost as long or as long. Um, and so that has been one of my personal um, 
challenges, you know, to build credibility and, and to demonstrate that, you know, these techniques, ideas, and initiatives do work. Um, and so I have a two, two-fold answer to your question. Um, one is, yes, I do identify those things, much like I mentioned with the, um, with the manager who was making a point of thanking everyone for their business, no matter how large the transaction. And I made it a point of notifying the company president who happened also to be there that day to say, this is something that we need to be doing um, everywhere. And so then it became a thing. So yes, making, you know, notifying the powers that be and saying this is something we should be doing as a company is very much a part of what needs to be done. I can also notify the sales managers who um, are responsible for the sales force. Um, similarly, uh, one of the things that we did was to, from a marketing initiative, was empower um, our sales teams. I gave them some marketing swag uh, to to get them out in the field more, to get them in front of customers and prospects more. And so that's something that, yes, communicating um, across the company is critically important. Um, as to bringing everyone on board, uh, we have a policy of, you know, you aim for excellence, and so you aim for about 70% and um, 70 to 80 and so I'll have early adopters. I have managers, and, and all the managers have come around by now, but even, you know, it was, you have your early adopters, and I can think of, you know, three managers off the top of my head who were my early adopters, and I worked on implementing initiatives with those yards, and then it has now expanded out. And so I think that it's um, behind all of it is the understanding that this is something that takes time to develop. It is not something... Um, that, that just happens overnight. I know that we talked a little bit earlier about educating um, clients, or in my case, in educating internal clients. Mm -hmm. You know, there was not always understanding about um, marketing. You know, running one ad is not going to achieve the results that you're looking for. It has to be sustained effort over time. Um, and so I've approached my marketing program that way understanding that I'll have my early adopters and that will move forward. And then when others see success, then they will also come along. And so it's been a year and a half, but I think we've accomplished a lot. And I'm happy to say that we're all, you know, it is, it can be difficult to make cultural shifts. Um, but I think we've accomplished a lot in the last year and a half. Yeah. And I'm so glad you pointed that out that like a marketing effort and initiative isn't just a one and done thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that builds up and is a continued effort. Um, you know, whether I think you're in a small town or a large town, you yes. still have to really work at that, at keeping at the forefront of pros, mm -hmm. at homeowners, at just the community, um, especially. And I think that probably also goes to not to shift things. And I know this wasn't in our show notes, but, um, also in rolling out a whole new product line as well across locations. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of explain a little bit about how that works. You guys just launched your own window line and um, that had to be a huge undertaking, especially to implement, you know, this wasn't just like one building material store that you're implementing this and you're implementing this across 13 um well maybe not the components locations but still multiple <laughs> locations <Right. laughs> 
So but, yeah, explain a little bit just about like um, challenges and successes of that. I'm sure it was super exciting launch that, you know, probably a, a lot, you know, everyone was pretty really excited about. It, it, it is. It's very exciting for the company. It's not something that has ever been done before. And it's uh, very rare, really, that a dealer would do this on their own. Um, what it comes down to is making sure that we're meeting our customer needs and making sure that um, our customer experience is consistent across the board. Again, whether you're in Fairbury, Illinois, or you're in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, or you're in um, the Chicago market, making sure that everyone's, all of our customers are receiving the same, you know, same services, same delivery, same, so that their expectations are met. Um, I bring that up because we have found that, I'm going to back up a little bit, Sarah, you mentioned something too also, I think there's a fundamental understanding that from, from my perspective, um, that our customer's customer is also our customer. So while we largely deal with our pro customers, um, the homeowner is the ultimate customer, you know, and so the products that we're selling are ending up in our cost in the consumer's home. So our, our customers, customers home. Um, or project and so we need to make sure that we're offering the best and offering a broad range um, when it came to developing our own window line that came out um, last fall as a result of a series of meetings with one of our uh, one of our vendors who we were discussing the marketing menu and on one of the um, one of the options was to develop you know, private label point of sale items. And it evolved into being able to create our own window. And that was very appealing because we needed a, um, a builder grade, a, you know, a high value vinyl window that we did not have at the time um, to be able to offer our pro customers as, as a viable option. And it sort of generated from there. And um, it's been very, very successful. It's been very exciting you know, a little uncharted territory. So when there's uncharted territory, there's always ups and downs, but it's, um, it's, it's been very exciting. Yeah, that is very cool. And congrats to your whole team yeah. for, for taking on that initiative. But I think, like you, you said, it kind of just goes in hand to hand again with just realizing your customers needs, seeing that bigger picture, and then kind of responding to that and, you know, just bringing that on board and just that's super exciting. You know, my goal is to make sure that we promote Alexander Lumber as the brand. And um, we, as was mentioned, we are a 128-year-old company. We have an amazing legacy. And, uh, you know, there are still um, customers who haven't yet to learn about us. And so I'm, I'm aiming to change that. And being able to offer our own window is, is really spectacular. Yeah, that's really cool. And like you said, they're, you know, just getting the word out and keeping, you know, you guys at the forefront in the locations that you're at because 128 years is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's just amazing. Yeah. So any other final thoughts on what it takes to manage multiple locations, um, how to manage supplier relationships or c corporate branding? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. I, I. I have so many thoughts. I can talk as long as you need me to. But I would say that fundamentally, it's all about balance. I think that it's critical to keep in mind, you know, the overarching company goals when it comes to marketing. 
but you also have to take in, in, you know, take into account the local differences. And that, I mean, that's to sum up, that's, you know, making sure that you have that balance. Um, I would say, you know, it's also about, I would say it's about two things. It's about diligence and patience. Um, you have to recognize, as, we, as we've talked about, you know, you have to recognize that it's going to take time and regular attention to develop and execute a, a really viable program. Again, you know, realize that you're going to have your early adopters and that, you know, other locations or that, you know, and, and that's true whether you're talking about internal, you have your, your internal early adopters and then you, you know, the people who've been here for 25 years who maybe are a little reluctant, they will eventually come along too. Um, but you just have to have the patience to realize that it, it will take some time. Um, and then finally, I think, I believe it's really critical to exercise your creativity. You know, don't be afraid to do something that hasn't been done before, whether it's, you know, creating a, a marketing program in, in, um, in the shape of a menu, whether it's, you know, launching a new win private label window line, um, try it and you know then you evaluate if it works or if it doesn't if if it does work that's great and if it doesn't then tweak it and try something else I um that. so i would say those are the the really the you know diligence patience and creativity when it comes to marketing multiple locations in managing supplier relationships it's essential to recognize your suppliers as your partners and work with them in you know in win-win capacities um i've had some incredibly fruitful conversations with some um, some of our suppliers when it comes to recognizing that you know it, it's channel marketing it's recognizing that our customers are we have mutual customers and that we're trying to achieve the same things um, you know brand recognition and success for both of our companies and working together in a, a partnership capacity I, I think is is the most fruitful and then regarding branding, um, I can't stress this enough. It's so critically important to define and then protect your brand. As a marketer, you are the primary brand ambassador for your company. Um, and I know that it, it may take, you know, education to realize that a brand is more than a logo on a shirt. Yes. But oh, man. Preach it, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've, and again, much like earlier, it will take diligence on your part, but um it's, it's so important to enforce that branding both internally and externally. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so agree with all of that. And yeah, just our hats off to you to, to doing this with grace and patience as well. <laughs> you are an amazing individual to undertake um, just, you know, launching, um, you know, new programs and tackling um, marketing at a business that's 128 years old. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of preconceived notions and things on the table when you entered the picture that you had to, you know, um, work around. So it's, it's so great to, um, to hear how everything is thriving and, um, just, you know, in marketing kind of in the real life day-to-day -day trenches. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about Alexander Lumber? Sure. And thank you so much, Sarah. This has been a privilege. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. In terms of finding us, we are, you can check out our website, which I will say is in the process of being refurbished, but it's at www.alexlbr.com. We also are on social media. Please check out our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Generally, it's at alexanderlumber or at alexanderlumber.com. 
Um, and then listeners are also free to connect with me on LinkedIn if they choose. Um, I'm affiliated with Alexander Lumberg Company as Lisa Schrader Roberts. Excellent. And we'll definitely link all of that in the show notes. Um, so yes, listeners, if you're driving, don't write it down right now. So we'll link it in the show notes and we will definitely have all the information available so you can check out all the exciting things that Alexander Lumber is doing across all their locations. So Lisa, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, we want to know what are your thoughts on location marketing? Do you have questions on how to connect locally with your community? Connect with us at 21 Handshake on social media and let us know. Did you like this episode? Hint, yes, of course you did. Then please like, subscribe, and leave a review and share it with a friend on your favorite listening platform. It really does help get the word out. Until next time.